The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. And uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, that disclaimer is not read for uh, for Howie McClellan, who's yes, here in the studio yes, tonight. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But we do uh, welcome you to another edition of the TOST Podcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network, which is found online at belmontmedia.org slash podcasts, and also at soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. You can listen to the podcast at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. I am Todd Bloniars from the award-winning Time Out for Sports Talk TV show, which is available on BMC channels 28 and 29 and also on demand at belmontmedia.org. Of course, the other dulcet tones you heard here in Studio B tonight, Howie McClellan uh, in the uh, the co-pilot's uh, position. I guess uh, we're actually uh, we're standing tonight for the podcast. There's some full disclosure for you because we don't have to uh, mention that, but uh, we are just yep. so... Hey, you so know. you're not in the co-pilot's chair. You're sort of in the, you know. The... No, I'm in the co-pilot's standing room only. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We're all set. We're all set. We're ready. Boy, oh. is this starting to get boring or what? I mean, we, we, here we are, seventh straight AFC championship. Yeah. It almost seems unreal. It, it really does. Well, here's a stat to try on for size, Howie. I mean, this is going to be Tom Brady's uh, 12th AFC championship game. And you think about his 18-year career, and then you subtract out, of course, his rookie year of 2000 when he didn't play. Uh, he was the fourth-string quarterback that year. And then also you subtract 2008 when he didn't play because, you know, halfway into the first game he blew out his knee. So, in essence, he's made it to 12 conference championship games in 16 seasons. And um, even me as a college math major can figure out that uh, that's 75% of the years of his playing career he has gotten to the final four of professional football. I mean, that's just, that's insane. No other quarterback can say that. No, not even that. No one, other, other than maybe the Celtics back in the 50s and 60s when they were winning championships, no team in any professional sport can claim something like that. It's just, it boggles the mind that they could actually, he can actually do that. But it's not just he, it's they can actually do that. It's it's everyone else that plays, it's the coaches, it's the whole organization. It, it, yeah, he is the, the masthead of the ship, you know. But the fact is that they've drafted well, they've played well, they've picked up well. Um, and they all, no matter who they are, they all have that same mentality, or as they call it, the Patriot way. And they fall right in line with it. And it's like even this week, no one wants to talk about the elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about the hand. It's like Tom will be there. He'll be ready. Don't have to worry about it. Andrew today, I just got to worry about my job. I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to do my job. And I know he'll do his job. And that's just the way it is, and that's why they're in the position they're in. Well, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, but, you know, the Brady, well, let's start with that then, Howie, since you brought it up, uh, the, the elephant in the room being uh, uh, Brady's hand, which apparently, I guess he suffered some laceration on his throwing hand uh, during a handoff so where drill. Where did you get that information? Because I haven't heard that. I didn't hear about a laceration. So you, you must be have a sub-pipeline that I don't know about. Uh, the only pipeline I have is on our uh, the Time Out for Sports <laughs> Talk Twitter feed, which is at TOSTBMC. Well, that's because uh, we're the I award-winning follow... Time Office 
was like, so right. now we get the hot tips. Well, it depends on who I'm following on the hot <laughs> tips. So I happen to some one of the football riders, one of those folks out there, mentioned that it happened. I guess during a, you know a day one handoff drill in practice this week. So I don't. You know, that's that's the story. And I guess what you heard is he didn't actually practice at all today. He was wearing a he was he was standing there out there at Gillette Stadium and he had the red gloves on, but he did not partake in any practices. Yeah, I found that was kind of strange, not, not knowing what you told me when you got here about the laceration. But I said, why has he got the hand covered up? Why well, he's covering something. And that's the first thing that came to my mind is he got stitches. There was a slit somewhere, yeah. you know, but. I don't know. Everyone's trying to get like a, there's a photo on the front page of the uh, Boston Globe sports section today, which uh, I'm surprised they didn't blow that up because I think a lot of folks out there are trying to blow that photo up to, you know, again, diagram it like the the, the Zapruder film. We always use that as an analogy. Is that the little thing on his index, on his first finger? uh, It might be. Let's look. You know, really? Is that what we're worried about? Is that what we're worried about? Yeah, you know, it's like nobody really wants to talk about the matchup here uh, between these two teams. And for the moment, we're not going to either because I first want to go oh, back. We're going to win me. it. Stop me. Sorry, okay. there's okay. a tease. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But I, I want to go back and obviously talk about the the, the 33rd win in uh, Patriot playoff history and the 26th all-time win for, for Mr. Brady. That happened last Saturday night uh, against the uh, the Titans. Uh, convincing win. And you know what? I'm going to give you credit for predicting the right score because all Stephen Gostowski had to do was make about a 40-something yard field goal that he hooked to the left. If he makes that, your 38-14 score that you predicted on the last podcast would have been right right on the money. And yeah. so for, as far as I'm concerned, you actually got the score right. All right. I appreciate there that. There you go. I, I do appreciate you know, I'm giving it. To, I'm giving it to you. Yeah, woo indeed. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so you know, we talk about this game. I mean, it was a pretty convincing win. I mean, they started a little slow, as uh, they've, they've done at times this year. But, uh, you know, then uh, after spotting the Titans uh, the early lead, they, you know, ra- ran off 35 unanswered points and, and pretty much had control of the ball game, kind of like, I guess, we both expected going in. It actually drove the uh, coach of, the, tech, of the, the Titans out. He's done. That game was his last game. Yeah, no, yeah, Mike Malarkey, of course, yeah. getting uh, fired after the. Well, you know, we we kind of talked about that too. We thought that, you know, I think I proposed there was a possibility that if they got blown out, oh, he was yeah. going to get fired. And you know, that vote of confidence he got after winning the week before against Kansas City really didn't mean a whole lot, as it never, it really never no. does, right? No, actually, you should know that anytime you get a vote of confidence, it means you're out of there. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, I was, I wasn't totally surprised. Our defense played great. You know, again, I was predicting a big score. I just thought that we were going to do it. I think it all came down to all that talk with all the stuff that happened, the article and the ESPN. You know, and that's what I said to you. I said, they thrive on this stuff. They love this stuff. And all that's going to do is bring them closer together. Now they get the shirts. New England versus everybody. You yeah. know, but that's cool. That's that's what they do. So all you got to do is give them a little, little piece of something. You know, they don't need so much the bulletin board material from other teams. They just need a little controversy like that. And they just clam up. They they circle the wagons. And that's why I thought they were going to do what they are going to do. They were just going to show everyone, nothing wrong here. Go away, folks. Nothing going on here. Yeah, we talked about the good defense. I mean, they set a, a Patriots playoff record with eight sacks. I mean, and, and they kind of spread Thank the... you, James Harrison. Yeah. Well, actually, uh-huh. and, and oddly enough, he didn't even get no. one of the sacks. I mean, uh, but... But I'm uh, sure he helped for some of them. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think he did set the, well, you know, as they said, he set the edge, right? I mean, that was the, uh, I mean, his official stats for the game, uh, they had him at uh, three tackles, uh, none for loss. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there were six different players for the Patriots that registered sacks, including uh, uh, two each for uh, Geno Grissom and one of your favorite players, uh, Dietrich uh, Potato Chip Wise Jr. Yes. (laughs) The chip. Yeah, Yeah, two sacks. No, I mean, mean, they were, you know, once, obviously, the Patriots got to the, uh, you know, the big lead, you know, you're up 21-7 at the half at that point. You kind of know, you know, Derrick Henry's being stuffed and, you know, Marriott is going to be forced to throw on every down, which makes it a lot easier for those those uh, you know, defensive players on the Patriots to just go ahead and, you know, you know, uh, what's the what's the saying? Uh, put their ears back yeah, and just take off. off. Yeah, tee off, off. On, on the quarterback. Yeah. Like I said, you, you knew Mariota wasn't going to beat him. I mean, there wasn't anyone on that team that was going to beat him. I mean, there, there's certain teams that, like this week, right? Let Bortles try to beat him. And he's not going to. You know, you got to worry about other people, but if he's what's going to be counted on to win this fall next game, uh, I see another big victory for the Pages. And the funny thing is, I was surprised that of all the teams in the in the prior games, you figured Jacksonville's game against Pittsburgh would have been the uh, the defensive battle, the seventeen to fourteen, the fourteen to ten, and you expected the other game to be the big scoring game with with Minnesota and, and Breeze and. and uh, New Orleans, yeah. and it's like, wait a minute, what happened here? First off, you got Jacksonville, who has a quarterback the week before that ran for more yards than he threw for, and this team is going off and teeing off. Those two te- they almost had 90 points combined, yeah. and then you get to the other game, and it's like, it's a defensive battle. It's like, what's going on here? Right. Well, you know, and, and you know, you're right, Howie. Let, let's. I mean, the Patriots game, as fun as it was to see the Patriots win again, there really wasn't that much to talk about. So why don't we jump ahead to the Sunday games like you just did and talk about uh, Jacksonville's surprising win over Pittsburgh. Surprising, you know, maybe not necessarily to everybody, but certainly that final score is surprising, 87 yeah. combined points. And, uh, I mean, you certainly, you know, in fact, Bortles' final numbers for that game were pretty pedestrian. Only threw for a little over 200 yards, and I think only 10 times did he throw the ball beyond the line of scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> and but you know obviously Fournette had a pretty big game till he got banged up. I mean and of course this all goes back as as has been the lament and the talk all week on local sports radio. The Steelers you know kind of you know bragging and getting you know doing their thing before the you know well you had yet Tomlin before the the first Patriots Steelers game going. Oh this will be the first of two meetings. You know we'll we'll have the rematch in January. That'll be more important. So there was that. There was the uh, you know uh, Le'Veon Bell at one a.m. the morning of. The playoff game with Jacksonville, he's talking about, oh, yeah, we got our rematch with Jacksonville this week, our rematch with the Patriots next week. I mean, he's, like, tweeting stuff like this. Uh, you know, again, they, had, they it felt like that team was just psychologically looking past the Jaguars, a team who, who beat them pretty soundly. I I honestly thought that, you know, they weren't going to get beaten that badly again. I mean, that 45-42 final, not even indicative of the kind of game it was because, you know, Jacksonville jumps on top 21-0, 28-7, and the game's pretty much over because the Steelers are forced to play catch-up the rest of the way. Yeah, exactly. This, that was the thing. That Jacksonville got out to where they had to, and, and you're right. Pittsburgh's had to keep coming back, climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain. You get to a point, and then Jacksonville would answer, you know. But they were definitely, and not not. Supposedly, they were definitely looking past Jacksonville. And again, where they lost, was it 30-9 to earlier in the mm-hmm. season of that yep. team? I'd be a little concerned about that team, you know? And, th- and then after the game, you get all the throwing under the bus. Why'd they do that? Oh, Roethlisberger, I'm not allowed to change the play at the line of scrimmage. Come on. 
I mean, I, I think they said that, you know, he, he doesn't do what I think he attempted like 18 or 19. He's done those. I mean, Brady does them all the time. Yeah. You're telling me that that guy with all his credentials is not allowed. Two Super Bowl wins, yeah, too. Just yeah, stand at the line of scrimmage, see what's going on, and not alter a play? Yeah. I don't buy that for one second. But that just shows that their head wasn't in it and that now they want to just, it's your fault, it's his fault, it's not my fault. What they do? They gave up what? What was it? Forty-three points. Forty-five. Forty-five yeah. points. And who do they fire? The offensive coordinator. Right. <laughs> Explain that one to me. The the guy whose offense puts up forty-five. You're telling yeah. me any game that if we can score forty-five points, if we lose, shame on us. Yet that's the guy that gets fired. Right. Right. I, I don't understand. It's, well, right. You, I mean it. You're absolutely right, Howie. I mean, the fact that, you know, Steelers score 42 points at home, they're expecting to win a, a playoff game. But there were so many questionable calls in that game by the Steelers, particularly, you know, their fourth down decisions. Yeah. Again, going back to your point about Roethlisberger not being able to change up plays. I mean, the guy is is built like a like a middle linebacker. The fact on a fourth and short, he couldn't, like, just fall forward, which he's done before, just like Brady has, you know, getting that little well, fourth down and less than a yard sneak for the first down. Instead, they, they run a sweep at one play to Le'Veon Bell on a, on a fourth and one. What, first of all, why? Isn't Le'Veon Bell just running between the tackles instead of a sweep, which he very rarely does? And then even that other fourth and short play, the one where Roethlisberger threw downfield. Uh, I forgot who the receiver was now, but I mean it was like a low. It was one of those like low Brady throws where only the receiver could get it, but it was kind of also a low percentage throw to make. And, and it, again, he could have just dumped something short off. I mean, so there's that. And then and we'll we'll talk about those first because yeah. then I have another beef well, with the Steelers. Well, well the and, other thing too is you got to remember that a couple of fourth down plays they also scored touchdowns on. Yeah, on the plays that so. You know, that went back and forth, too. But it, it just seemed like not only that, their time management, their decision-making. Uh, you know, I don't want to say that Tomlin looked like he had deer in the headlight look. But, I mean, again, I think they were just looking past this game. They weren't worried about Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville kicked their butt earlier in the season. And they were thinking about the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's what they, and that's happened to them before. Oh, sure. You it know? absolutely has. You know, either that or they always shoot their mouth off about what's going on. You know, we already got our tickets to the Super Bowl. We got our hotels <laughs> already booked. You know. New Orleans, here we yeah. come in fifteen years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, who, it's like... who was it? Pack your bags. Unpack right, yeah. your bags. Right? Yeah. Was it McGinnis or whatever? Oh, sure. Right. Yeah, a lot of the yeah, guys on so that. Yeah, so it's, it's like, I don't know, when, when, when is Pittsburgh, which is a great organization, they have a lot of character players, they got a lot of good management. When are they going to learn? they won more Super Bowls than any other uh, team in When the are history? they going to learn to not do that, especially yeah. if they're playing the Patriots? I don't understand them. The thing was that you brought up the time management with the Steelers. Let me ask you this. When they got to within seven of Jacksonville, and it was like 2.18 on the clock, and they had two timeouts plus, of course, the two-minute warning, what did you – did you think at that time they should onside kick as opposed to trying to kick deep? Because I thought they should have kicked deep there and had – you know, I, I know their defense hadn't played very well up to that point, but I think you've got to ultimately make the stop because, you know, the percentages of, of executing the onside kick properly, and then if you don't execute it like they didn't, it was poorly done yeah. – Jacksonville's already in field goal range, and that's what they did. And they kicked the field goal. Now they're up ten. Game yeah. over. Well, and the other thing with that too is when Pittsburgh's driving the ball down, in, in I think it was Romo who said they need a touchdown, they need a field goal. Okay, yeah, why this was my kick, second. Why not yep. kick the field goal now? Oh, yeah. Then onside kick. Hope we get it back and go for the touchdown. He said he used it all that time trying to get the big score, yep. and then hoping that they only need the little score afterwards. They lost so much time in that 
you know, again, the time management of what they did, yeah. they lost so much time, you know, with stupid decisions. Yeah, and I was going to get to that point next. A- after they, they butchered yeah, the onside. To it. I know. <laughs> after they butchered the onside kick, then, right, that, that whole thing. Now you're down 10. You need two scores. You know, right, if it's Belichick there in that situation where he knows he needs 10 points, he's going to go down, especially with no timeouts. Okay, get down as close as you can where you feel comfortable to kick a field goal. It was fourth and long, right. too. It wasn't like fourth and one again. Yeah, kick the field goal. And then, you know, and then take a chance with another onside kick. You hope you you better execute at that time. But again, but, there too. But they like would have had time. Right? Yeah, if they didn't do it, now you go back to that scenario. They still have the two timeouts. They get the, uh, the two-minute warning coming up. And hopefully they can stop them and get the ball back, even if they don't execute the onside kick. You yeah. know, but it's like, you know, they it's use so much time to try to get that seven. You know, everyone wants to get the big score first, and right. let's get that little score afterwards. No, you need two. It doesn't matter which way you get them. Yeah, and then, right, exactly. That's the whole point. You need two scores, so you need to have two possessions, and you got to try to make the most of what little time you have left, even with no timeouts. Well, by the time they get that touchdown, there's no time on the clock. So who cares that they score the touchdown? They can't win the game. Or even, I if, mean, they get, even if they get the onside kick. They've, they've burnt everything. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really, yes, it was very poor time management. And again, you know, this is something I know we've talked about many times with Patriots against their opponents. So we seem to, you know, the two Super Bowls recently, you know, and it just, it's always, it seems to be a recurring issue with all these coaches. They just don't seem to know how to manage the time properly to at least put themselves, it doesn't guarantee they're going to win, but at least give themselves a chance. Yeah. Put Steelers yourself had in a no position chance. to win. Right. The Steelers weren't in any position to win at the end of that game because of their bad decisions. You know, Tomlin's decisions running the clock. I know there's, I guess, some minority owners uh, of the Steelers, I guess, who want to try to get Tomlin fired. I guess that was a report that came out of Pittsburgh earlier yeah, this week. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because he's he's done this time and again, and, and, he, and he goes through the same scenario every time, and it's bad decision-making. Um, it's, you know, talking about teams in the future instead of looking at teams at the present. And the NFL is a copycat league, and we always, always know that. And... A lot of teams have a version, I'll call it, of the Patriot way. You know, you don't hear a lot of teams shooting their mouth off. You don't hear a lot of teams talking other than good about the other team. But some teams and some coaches still let it go on. Tomlin's one of them. He should have corralled that whole thing right at the beginning. Said, hey, we got a game against a team that beat us 30-9. to Let's worry about that 30-9 to team that we got to play first. You know, because we may not have to, we may not get a chance to go to the second game if we don't win the first game. Yeah, that's it. You know, but the odds that Tomlin's going to, you know, get fired are very slim because if you think about it, I mean, this is an incredible stat. We always, you know, I know at times we've talked about like the Patriots have only had two kickers in the last 20 odd years. The Steelers in the last 50 years have had three head coaches Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. That's it. In 50 years, three coaches. I mean, we think Belichick's been here forever, which he has been, but that's just one guy. I mean, they've had three for a half a century. Yeah, whereas we've had some long tenure guys, but we've also had a bunch of little short guys <laughs> yeah. in between. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. Uh, Dick McPherson's and sure. you know, oh, yeah. Rod, Rod Rust, Rust of course, and, you know, right, right down the line. Yeah. So. Yeah, but. You know, even the late Ron Meyer was only here, I think, about three seasons uh, when all was said and done. So, Chuck yeah. Fairbanks, he wasn't here that oh, long. Oh, yeah, right. Ourselves, there you go, he was right. only here, what, three, four, four, four years? years? Yeah. So you know, it, it's amazing that they've only that they've only had that many coaches in fifty years. But they always seem to let those coaches hang on too long. Yeah, and I think that's what's happening here now. Just like another coach that hangs on too long, the guy in uh, Cincinnati, Lewis. How does he still have a job? I don't understand that. How does he still have a job? 
Wasn't there the talk he was going to leave, but then they decided to bring him back again or exactly. something? Exactly, yeah. Based on missing the playoffs? I guess that's better than like a one and done, or is it? I mean, in, their, in, in the Brown family, I don't know what they're thinking. When it was one and done every year, they kept bringing him back. Then he misses the playoffs, and he, he's actually wanted to, I think he was saying he yeah, wanted he was to thinking leave. about moving up in the uh, office, you know, going to the uh, front office yeah. or whatever, but... I can no. never figure out the NFL. <laughs> yeah, no, it really doesn't make any sense. We'll, we'll talk briefly about the uh, the Saints-Vikings, because obviously we don't want to get caught looking ahead for the Patriots' yeah. future opponent in a few weeks, perhaps. But, uh, you know, you talk about that game and that crazy finish. I mean, my first thought watching the end of that game was it's about – because I have, I have a college friend who's like a huge Vikings fan. He's been one his whole life. And um, – you know, my first thought was it's about time the Vikings won a game like that because they've had their hearts broken so many times on crazy plays like that or missed field goals or, or you know, Hale, you know, you want to go back to the 70s, Drew Pearson on a, on the, like the, the original Hail Mary, I guess, uh, where they dubbed the term, I get, apparently. Four Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh, the, entries, four Super Bowl too. losses. Yep. The, um, they were the Buffalo Bills before the Buffalo, Buffalo. Bills. <laughs> they didn't do it consecutively, exactly. but, uh, you know, but yes, it was still four losses. Yeah, I, I just can't believe all that dude Williams has to do stand behind the guy, let him catch the ball, and then just bear hug him. That's all he had to do. But he had to try to make this fancy, let me put my shoulder into his legs and knock him out. And You know what? That had to be the most foolish play I've ever seen a defensive back make on the final play of a game in my life. I mean, I couldn't believe that he whiffed so bad. He didn't even nick the guy. I mean, all he did was take out his own guy that could have made the tackle also. I, I'm still yeah. in shock. I can't believe Minnesota won that game. Yeah. I cannot believe it. I no, they, they, it's uh, right. And, you know, Marcus Williams, I guess for what it's worth, Marcus Williams is a rookie. I mean, he was the, the Saints player who uh, who blew that play, not only taking himself out of the play, but his teammate, who who actually probably would have had a chance to at least tackle digs and bounds. Like I said, he all he had to do was stand behind him, let yeah. him catch right. it. Right, no timeouts let for Minnesota. Let him catch it and yeah. bag him. You know, I, yeah. No, it, it was it's insane. Like I mean, yeah. The, like I said, the Saints had that game one. Sean Payton, we consider him one of the the good coaches. I mean, the takeaway from that entire weekend is think about it. You know, we were looking at a potential Final Four of of Brady, Breeze, Ryan, and uh, and Roethlisberger, and the other three veteran quarterbacks who you know have you know been in a combined you know several Super Bowls. Uh, they're they're all gone. Yeah. I mean, now we're replaced with with three other teams that have good defenses, but their quarterbacks are a bit suspect. I mean, the the numbers Brady compared to the other three starters in this conference championship weekend, I mean, are are crazy. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the crazy thing too. I mean, you got you got Brady who is head and shoulders about everybody, and then you got the rest. I mean, I would have been worried about Philadelphia if Wentz had played. You know, he would have been mm. good. I, I felt bad for Breeze. I mean, they were down 17 nothing, and they came back and, and made a game and finally took the lead at the end. Um, stupid defensive play. Um, Bortles, again, the week before he ran for more yards than he threw for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not the guy I want leading me into the AFC Championship. You know, it's just right down the line. I mean, pedigree-wise, this should be a no-brainer, but... You just can't, again, I'm going to go back to this. I've heard some talk about all of it, the Coughlin factor. And that's the only thing that concerns me because the only team that's beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl twice, it was the Giants, coached by Tom Coughlin, who took a lousy Jacksonville team the last several years. He's come on board this year. Not only did they win their division, but they're in the AFC Championship against his old buddy, Bill Belichick, 
who they coached together for years, and it seems like whenever that comes down to it, Coughlin seems to pull it out. So that bothers me. I would have rather played Pittsburgh, I think, because that Coughlin factor bothers me. Well, yeah, interesting, uh, because uh, 21 years ago, I don't know if you remember where you and I were on conference championship weekend. We were, of course, down at the old Foxborough Stadium watching the Patriots and the Jaguars. And who was the head coach of the Jaguars then? Tom Coughlin. That is correct. Uh, remember, we still remember uh, uh, Otis Smith uh, getting after uh, the, that, you know, it was 13-6 Patriots with the lead late and trying to hold on defensively. And uh, they fumbled the ball. The Jaguars fumbled the ball. And Otis Smith kind of picked it up out of the air and, and ran back for the uh, clinching touchdown. Otis, my man. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he was uh, he was one of those Parcells uh, recruits that they yeah. brought in Former Jet, uh, and uh, yeah, no, so he's or, or actually, I guess he was a former Giant at that point, and he became a Jet later. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, someone that Parcells knew, and uh, yeah, I mean, so the Patriots won that game. That's the last time these two, these two teams met in the conference championship uh, that long ago. And I also remember that uh, game because it was really cold, not four degrees cold like it was for that Tennessee playoff game in 03, But I remember we we had also gotten like a couple of feet of snow because I still remember that tailgate where there was just like piles of snow all around us. And you came in like your one piece thermal uh, suit My there, your, your snow, suit. yeah, your snow suit, right? That uh, yep. you still what have I, that suit? Or? Yes, I do, and I still use it snow blowing every Oh, okay, yep. all right, very nice. Still I, fits. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least at least you can say that. I, I wish I could say that about most of my old clothing from. Uh, from 21 years ago, but uh, anyway, as we uh, move on here, well, let's let's okay, let's talk about Jaguars 2017 current team. I mean, uh, their defense has been in the top ranks of the league this year, but um, on the other hand, you know, there's been games that they gave up 42 to the Steelers. Uh, you know, who made a lot of great individual plays, but uh, I hate to bring this up, but back in week 16, their uh, Jacksonville's defense didn't look very good either against a certain San Francisco quarterback who I know you happen to really like, and I, I like him too. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Garoppolo, who uh, uh, exposed them. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of trying to read some different analytics here, and I guess Jacksonville doesn't necessarily play well defensively against teams who uh, don't use their base defense of one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. Like, if they use something other than that, I guess that's considered a base personnel defense now, yeah. the three wide outs. But if they use something other than that, teams can have success, uh, you know, moving the ball against Jacksonville's defense. Yeah, but, I, I was going to say, now, I think, too, Jacksonville with that. Saxonville. Yeah. I mean, what do you do to slow down a team like that? You let them come in, you dump a little couple of short ones, you throw a few screens, make them think about it, make them, make them want to have to worry about that. And that'll take that right off the board. So, right, um, dink and dunk as opposed to yeah. trying to throw the ball deep, which kind of plays into Brady's hands anyway. Because that's what he's been doing all year, and the Patriots' offense has done it Most, so well his whole career. Other than the yeah. time that Randy Moss was there, I mean, Brady's never been known as a, a gunner. You know, he's mm. never been a Daryl LaMonica or a Jim Plunkett where he just lets it fly. Yeah, you know, he's a more precision passer. Like I said, six, eight, nine yards tops. I mean, how many twenty plus yard throws does he have? And if he does. It's only because the receiver got 17 yards, you know, yards after catch, you know. So that's it's perfect for what we're gonna do because we shut that right down. You know, they're gonna come in with their ears pulled back, yeah, yeah, right. come flying in, which is a boop, boop over the head, 
You know, and just have to say, oh, I think we got to watch that. Although back to your point on Coughlin and those Giants teams that beat the Patriots twice in those two Super Bowls, they did it because they had a solid front four they could rush for, and they, they, they rushed up the middle, which is always the way they say to get to Brady. You don't rush from the ends. You rush up the middle. Yeah, because he which, loves to step into the rush. Right, and, you know, they've got some you know, some quality guys like uh, Malik Jackson, Kalei Campbell, uh, Yannick... Uh, Nagakui? Sounds close enough for me. Yeah, it's not not the way I heard it on Sunday, but now I forgot how that sounded. (laughs) But you know what? I mean, but those, yeah, I mean, they they got some talented guys up front. They won't have to, like, blitz or anything because these guys on the Jacksonville front uh, line are going to be more than enough for them to to create pressure for Brady. I guess it's going to be a question of, you know, know, does that cut on Brady's hand? Does that have an effect on his play? Um, You know, do, do these guys, you know, have an effect by rushing up the middle? What about, you know, even the weather conditions, they're almost going to be kind of Jacksonville-like. I mean, for January, I mean, we're talking almost 50 degrees of kickoff, far cry from the, the temperatures last Saturday. Yeah, but with with the aging quarterback that we have, I'm sure he'd rather have it a little warm now than yeah. cold. And if the <laughs> only problem he has is a cut on his hand, I'm not worried about it at all. And if there was a crack in a bone, a torn tendon, things of that nature, yeah, maybe a little bit. You know what? People have played, had stitches, stitches yeah. split, Hands bleed, so be it. Tape it up and keep on going. You know, unless it's on like his first couple of fingertips. I mean, as long as he has his fingertips in, if that's anywhere else, I don't see it being a problem if it's just if it's just a cut, as I'll call it. You know, stitches split and they go. People keep moving. You know, as long as you can get a good grip on the ball, it shouldn't really have any effect. It's not leaking blood all over it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. Well, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so it'll be it'll kind of be interesting to see how this how this plays out. I mean, obviously, it it feels like. you know, there's been people going back and forth like Jacksonville might have a shot at winning this game. But, you know, I also went back and looked at the nine the nine losses Brady has suffered in his postseason career and the quarterbacks. He's only lost to five other – it's not fair because Brady's not playing the other quarterback. I get yeah. that. But the, the five quarterbacks who have beaten the Patriots in the Brady-Belichick era in the postseason, uh, five of them – Five of those nine losses, the last name of the QB is... Manning. Right. Three for Peyton, two for Eli. And then the other four, you've got two for Joe Flacco, one for Mark Sanchez. Can you even guess who the last one is? <sighs> Let me think. Yeah, probably you got to go back to 2005. Yeah, just tell me. Jake Plummer of the Denver Broncos. Oh that remember God. that Ben Watson play or the uh, the Champ Bailey play on the fump, you know the yep. interception return and Watson almost catches him at the end. Yeah, that was the game. So, so those, the sad part is a person like Bortles could fit into that whole. He could fit into the Jake Plummer <laughs> San- category and for Sanchez. sure. And Sanchez, yeah. You know, you know, well, but fumble man, come on. Yeah, but yeah, I just again Flacco. They won because of their defense, not because of Flacco. Denver, we always seem to have a problem with. I mean, we lost to Denver when Tebow was the quarterback. So we always seem to have problems against certain teams, certain places. But I just don't see how this team can lose to a Blake Bortles-led Jacksonville Jaguars. And you could argue that offensively, Jacksonville in some ways sets up similarly to Tennessee in that, well, the Patriots took a, their defensive game plan against the Titans was shut down Derrick Henry and let Mariota beat you, you know. And in this case, I think you do the same thing here. You uh, you shut down Leonard Fournette, who had a huge game against the Steelers, yep. but he also hurt his ankle, and we don't know if yes. he's going to be 100%. And he, when he did come back into that game last week, he didn't run quite as well. So whether that hampers him this week remains to be seen. But if the Patriots center in on him and then Derrick 
scare Blake Bortles to beat them. Uh, you have to like the Patriots' chances there that they're going to hold Jacksonville to a pretty low offensive number. Certainly, you know, Jacksonville's not going to put up 45 points again uh, the and way exa- they did on the like Steelers. like I said, too, even, even with the 45 points, he had very pedestrian numbers. So it's not like he went out and threw for 425. Speaking of it, go back. What, Rot- Roethlisberger threw for almost 500 yards? I think game? so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing and still lost that game. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, obviously he's going to throw for a lot of yards in a game where they're down at one point twenty eight seven. He's going to have to, you know, they have to abandon the running game well, altogether. So, and and certainly with the offensive, you know, with the receivers he has and some of the incredible individual plays, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant. I mean, these guys were making some incredible yeah. catches out there, bailing him out yeah. uh, against yeah, a I, talented Jacksonville secondary, which doesn't usually give up big plays like that. And it yeah. took big individual plays to... You know, I so. still would have thought that would have been the game that was the 17-14-14. No, to, to see almost 90 points between those two teams. In those temperatures. They were playing just as cold yeah. weather as, as here at Foxborough. Exactly. Was. I couldn't believe the numbers they put up. Yeah. You know, who, I, who would have ever thought that the over would have got blown away in that one? Yeah. You no, know? I, don't, I don't know what it was. I was trying to look it up, but I'm sure the, the over-under was probably in the 44, 46 range, not 90. Yeah, I've never well, yeah, I've never seen one even in the 80s. I think even when it goes beyond 60, that's usually two offensive-minded teams. And very rare, I mean, usually 50s is about as high as it ever gets. So, uh, yeah, no one was anticipating that kind <laughs> of a, a final score for sure. So, no, not yeah, at all. You know, so... You know, and then you, I mean, you, in some ways, you kind of feel this could be a carbon copy of last week, too, because the way the Patriots want to run their offense. Heavy doses of Deion Lewis with occasional, you know, tosses to Gronk. And again, maybe keep the passes over the middle. You know, Brady's not going to want to throw deeper to the sidelines and challenge those those talented cornerbacks of the Jaguars. You know, Jalen Ramsey, who earlier this week said, you know, by the way, on Ramsey, you heard his comments. He said, yeah. you know, we're going to. That's getting blown out of proportion, too. He's confident. It wasn't the same way like Le'Veon Bell was saying, oh, well, we've got a rematch here and another rematch next week. He, You know, what, what Jalen Ramsey said, he wasn't looking beyond and, and the, the Patriots. Patriots said that, too. Yeah. Anyone you talk to, they said he's confident, he's got a good team, he should be confident. Put it this way, anyone who goes into a game thinking we're not going to win shouldn't be playing. Yeah. So as much as these guys maybe don't say it, I mean, how can you be on a team playing in a game like this and not think you're going to win? If you don't, you might as well not get on the plane. Don't fly up here. You yeah. know, stay home. You know, and there isn't anyone in that locker room that's feeling that way. It's just he happened to say it, and he probably said it in a, in a, in a different way. But, again, like I've been saying forever, even before the past presidential election, I've always yeah. said that the media always tries to create the story. They don't just report the story. So they gave it legs. But the, the Pats ain't even buying into that. No. You know? No. He's confident. He should be. Yeah. He's in the AFC Championship. Well, his if you looked at his defensive numbers, like how many times he's been beaten on long plays, I think the Steelers last week were the first team to like complete like a more than a 30-yard or 40-yard pass play against him. That's how good he's – I mean, he's going to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I mean, he's considered one of the top cornerbacks in, in the game right now, and he's just playing at, at a, a, an elite level at this time. So, you know, this is a game where, you again, you figure it's going to be a lot of Deion Lewis, a lot of Gronk. Maybe a little Hogan. You know, Rex Burkhead, I know he practiced a little bit this mm-hmm. week. Hopefully he's maybe going to be activated for this week. Malcolm Mitchell is definitely out. He is, yeah, yes. He's officially gone. Put that. a fork in him. Yeah. <laughs> he's done. Yeah, no, Which I, it may have, you know, he could have been someone who could have maybe been a good short intermediate route guy, uh, uh, perhaps. I, I think he could have uh, done something. Well, but, I mean, I know we, we, we've talked about for a lot of people as, as great as the Super Bowl comeback was against Atlanta last year. He's the one that set the tone. Mm. He's the one that started catching some passes, and he started opening up the offense. So, again, a lot of people 
will remember Edelman's catch. They'll remember Brady. They don't remember the little guys, you know, like we talked about. Uh, you know, Fisk hit the 12th inning home run, but yeah. Cabo hits the home run on the 7th. He doesn't hit that. Right. Red Sox don't go anywhere. Fisk doesn't become a hero. But uh, Mitchell doesn't catch those passes. Edelman doesn't make the great pass. We don't make the comeback. So, you know, you, you forget about those guys. Yeah. We don't. No. Me and you, you people right. like us, if you're a real sports fan, you remember those type of guys. Right. You know? Well, you know, and speaking of, you want to talk about plays like that. When I think about that snowball win against the Raiders, Vinatieri would have had, never had a chance to kick both the tying and the winning field goals if, and I know you're going to love this, Richard Seymour, who was a rookie that year, didn't stop uh, Zach Crockett, the fullback, on a third and short play where the Raiders just dove into the line trying to pick up, it was like third and less than a yard, and he got stoned right at the line of scrimmage by Seymour, and that resulted in the punt, which gave the Patriots the ball back and resulted in the tuck play, the, the tuck rule, and then Vinatieri's tying field goal and then getting to overtime and the game winning field goal. Yeah, and all everyone remembers is the tuck play and, yeah. and the winning field goal. They don't remember what led up to that you know oh, right. real sports fans will but a lot of people just like we talked about you know when they beat seattle if browner doesn't stop the guy from picking butler butler doesn't make yeah. the play and that was practice and they knew that was coming and browner made sure yeah. that guy didn't get off the line of scrimmage to pick butler to so that butler was free to make the play but who remembers that who remembers the previous play Dante Hightower tackles Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line on a one-on-one play where it looked like Lynch was already past him on his way to the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. So you wouldn't have even needed the next play. There wouldn't have been a pass because Marshawn, the beast, would have scored and Hightower made the saving tackle, which resulted in the Seahawks overthinking it and deciding, oh, we're not going to hand it off to Lynch again. Exactly. So, I mean, there's so many little things that play into the course of a game that decide the victory or the defeat. That's why they always say it wasn't one play, it wasn't one missed tackle. It's a whole series of things that lead up to the eventual end. All right. Mm-hmm. Let me throw this at you. Are, are you at all concerned that the referee for the AFC Championship game is Cleet Blakeman? Now, if you don't know who he is, uh, the Patriots all-time in the Brady-Belichick era when Blakeman's been the referee are only 2-4. and four. The two wins were against Tyler Pelko uh, and Brandon Whedon were the opposing quarterbacks. And if you remember, you remember that Jets overtime game that you know, there was that, that crazy. There was something with the coin toss. There was some confusion. Remember uh, called Slater heads, called. He didn't call heads or whatever. He was the ref for that game. And you remember the uh, Monday Night Football game against Carolina back in I think it was 2013 when it was the last play of the game. Brady throws to Gronk. Gronk thinks he's being held. Uh, there was a flag originally thrown, but then they picked the flag up and said nope, no penalty, and the Patriots lost that game. No, I really, I never get. The only time I used to get concerned about a referee was when Jake O'Donnell refereed against the okay. Celtics because he had a vendetta against them. What if I tell you that home teams, when Blakeman's the ref, have like the lowest winning percentage too? Yeah. So. Well, hey, you know, again, okay. like Belichick always says, it is what it is. So I better not be close at the end. Or this is what this is what we got to do. Yeah. yeah, that's all. Just go out and outscore them, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know. Just like Marvin Hagley used to always say, I'm not going to let the judges decide it. I'm going to let my two fists decide it. So just go out there, do what you got to do, score as many points as you can, and don't let him be able to make the decision to win or lose that game. All right, well, here, I'll give you a a more positive stat. Brady in the playoffs, or or the Patriots, I should say, the Patriots in the playoffs, when they're facing a team they didn't play in the regular season— in the Brady-Belichick era, 14-0. and When it's a playoff rematch, like a team that they had previously faced, 12-9. and So, again, that plays because they didn't face Jacksonville this year, except in the preseason. I was going to say, does the preseason count? It doesn't. <laughs> it, not for the purpose of this statistic. Not, not in Todd's stats. Well, no. These, these, well, I found these stats. Yeah. So they're, they're, I think they're only talking about games that actually count in the standings. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
Uh, so th- that's a positive stat. Uh, the final one, which will lead into our score predictions here, uh, when the Patriots uh, in the Brady-Belichick era in the postseason, when they score 22 or more points, are a perfect 14-0. and When they score 21 or less, they're only 4-3. and So right. what, uh, what say you for a score for, uh, for uh, Sunday? 28-10, Pats, obviously. Okay. And I'm going to say it's going to be a little tighter than I'm going to say 24 to 16, but I do have them score. I have them going over 22. So, uh, yeah. And in fact, it might be, you know, I think and this is probably the biggest key of all. And we, I think. Hold we, on, let me check my squares. I don't want to change it. No. <laughs> well, we've danced around this before in that uh, the uh, we talked about the Patriots, you know, or I know when we were watching the, the game last Saturday, Patriots got off to a really slow start in that game. And obviously, Jacksonville got off to a really fast start. And they're what Jacksonville statistically this year has been one of the better first quarter teams. Like their offense in the first quarter is like considered like I think tops in the league this year among the 32 right. teams. So it really feels like the biggest key in this game might be who gets off to the faster start. Because if you think about it, both teams want to kind of control the tempo of this game and how they're going to run their offenses. And I think they're only going to do that if they can get out to the early league. Patriots get out on top early. That that removes Fournette, it may be, from the game, and it puts Bortles kind of on his heels a little bit. You know, obviously, if Jacksonville does the same thing they did to Pittsburgh last week, get up to a big lead early, now their defense can just go in and go nuts on Brady if they want to and, and create all sorts of pressure. Now, do you think the Pats will do something like they never, they usually never do like they did last week, and if they win the toss, take the ball? I think they might. You know, I, I, I sometimes I think they... They've got the league so psyched out on you. Don't take it right away. You let the other team do it. And everyone defers now, it yeah. feels like, to other, uh, every other team's And now we're going lead. the other way. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. We're going to go out. We're going to get the first score. And if the clock plays right, we'll have the ball at the end of the first half. You know? So, you know, I think, like, Kraft even said before that game, I, I remember watching an interview with Lisa Hughes and... Um, David Wade, yeah, and he had even made a comment that, you know, we're going to start this game out and get the crowd into it right away, and, and I didn't think much of that until they accepted the ball. I'm like, this sly dog, he knew they were going to do that. They were going to take the ball yeah. and try to get the crowd going right off the bat. So maybe that's the uh, strategy during the playoffs at home. Yeah. Let's get the ball. Let's get the crowd into it right away. Let's put them on the heels right away. Let's not worry about scoring at the end of the first half and getting the ball in the second half. Let's just go down and let's just put them right on their heels right off the bat. Although it didn't end up working because the Patriots didn't score in that first no. quarter. They didn't score in the opening drive or in the first quarter. So I think they, I do think starting out fast here is going to be important because I think it's going to take Jacksonville out of a lot of what they want to do. Yeah. And, that's and a Jacksonville's uh, a team that hasn't really sniffed the playoffs for a while. So right, they got to be tentative. They're going to be a little tight. I, I have to believe that, you know, it, that, that goes a long way. Whereas, you know, this is like, eh, what's a seven in a row? Oh, yeah. wow. Big deal. This is, this is like regular season of the Patriots. <laughs> it mean, is. You're right. Seven, seven AFC championship games in a row? Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, who does that? This is technically week 20 of the NFL season, yeah. and the Patriots commonly, for seven straight years, have played in week 20. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know what it's like to hit the wall like yeah. a lot of players do because their season goes so long. Right. You yeah, know? right. There's only there's only two games on this day, so yeah, I, I think uh, if they start out fast, I, you have to really like their chances. Uh, yeah, for this one certainly. For sure. So. All right. Well, okay. I guess we're going to uh, wrap it up then. And uh, you have any other final thoughts here on the uh, on the game at all? Or, no, uh, I just I just okay. want to know if you've already started uh, thinking what? about what bar we're going to call after they uh, you know for the <laughs> Super Bowl. You know, to talk about uh, their side and our side. Yeah, someplace either in Philadelphia or Minneapolis, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll but, see. Well, the funny thing is, if it is if it is Minneapolis, it's amazing that they're going to be the visiting team. <laughs> 
if they yeah. do make it to the Super Bowl, although no one has ever done that. Right. It'll be a first. And mm-hmm. also, I've already heard, just to uh, make things simpler, the Vikings, if that happens, they get to the Super Bowl, they will still get to use their locker yeah. room and their, their practice facility. facility. Yeah. Whereas so, that would be ours if we play... Uh, Philadelphia. Right. Well, and also, well, it would also be because the AFC is the designated home team yeah. for the Super Bowl this year. So technically, Minnesota would technically be the road team if they get there, uh, yeah. even though they'll be playing in the building they they call home. Yeah, but those, if, if we play Philadelphia, that will have the Minnesota yeah. locker room, will have their, player, their, their right. facilities to practice in. But yeah, that's kind of strange, you know? It's just, it's, yeah. you know, but. You got any thoughts on that game? I mean, the Vikings obviously, you know, they they won, you know, hoping to get back to Minnesota, but they got to go to Philly first, which is, uh, you know, speaking of loud crowds and passion. I mean, that crowd's gonna make I think a lot more noise than they're gonna make at Gillette uh, on Sunday. I mean, that that's also a, it's a city starving for a, a Super Bowl championship, which of course the Eagles have never won. Uh, or Minnesota, or Minnesota, right? But but just I mean, those fans. You know, I mean, we you know, I I just feel bad for that Philadelphia team because. By all intents and purposes, they should have Carson Wentz, the guy that got him almost there, the guy that got hurt. But, you know, that's, you know, you want to go with your best and you want to go against your best, you know. And I just, I don't know, I just, either quarterback, you know, Keenum or Fold, I just don't. I just feel bad for both teams. Well, every right, well, you know what it feels like when you match up those teams, everything cancels each other out. Foles and, and Case Keenum, uh, maybe a slight edge to Keenum because he's been playing most of the year and has played pretty well and obviously made the big throw to Diggs at the end, even though New Orleans didn't defend that play. But uh, so he made he made some big plays defensively. The two teams are pretty even. Yeah, you know. But don't I mean the the, the uh, I thought the Eagles are really supposed to be warm in Philly. Uh, yes, they're getting similar so weather. Similar the only difference is they'll be playing it. It's a six thirty kickoff there, so it'll be nighttime already. Whereas you know. Obviously, the Patriots game will start in Sunday. And you got to remember, Philadelphia, even though it's going to be warm, but Philadelphia plays on grass. Right, that's still, true. Yeah, one of the few teams that still do, especially so, in a yeah. colder area. So, yeah. you know, that might slow down the Minnesota offense some. Well, certainly, you know, the Vikings don't play a lot of games outdoors, and uh, they don't certainly play a lot of games on grass. So that that could help the Eagles. And I think, I think so. between that and the crowd, I think that crowd helped them a lot in that win against the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, it certainly, you know, revved up the defense in that and, one. So. You know, and the owner's a local guy And Case from Keenum Boston. is not Matt Ryan. Yeah. I mean, you know. He's a local guy from Boston, too. So you got to – I'll be rooting. Jeff I'm gonna be rooting Rooting for the Eagles, Jeff Lurie he and yeah. I. He, he and I both went to Clark University, so yeah, I guess I, I, have, a, I have a rooting interest Just call there too. Call him up, see if we can get some tickets for the Super Bowl if well, he makes it. Well, here's the other interesting <laughs> thing: if you think about it, Patriots when they won the first three out of four, the third one was against the Eagles. Eagles. Right. So again, the Patriots are in position if they win the Super Bowl this year, it'll be another three out of four, and they could again face the Eagles in that third, you know, potentially third uh, winning Super Bowl. In in the four that year would, stretch, that would be ironic. so there be, well, it'd be kind of some symmetry to that, you know. It's sort of like connecting the two the two eras, which of course are already connected by Belichick and Brady at both ends. Mm-hmm. Sort of the the bookends to their and their the fact careers. That they won one and then lost and then won right. the two yeah. in a row. You know, it's all it's almost like a carbon copy. It's like we re, we're rewriting the story. It's like the second yeah. edition of the book. It is. You know, that could be even the better re, than the, the re-release. And if you've book. noticed that the first two Super Bowl wins are have been even more exciting than the two from the previous era. Yeah. Uh, if they could be, I mean, you know, the way those games ended, I mean, certainly uh, uh, you could say that. So yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward, you and I, of course, will be watching together, and yeah. it'll be uh, fun. Actually, me, you, and, and Kathy, uh, she's watching the game with us. Oh, she is. She's going to watch. So you're regulated to the coach. I am. Okay. All right. Right, so uh, well, she hit, she's going to have her chip. Uh huh. Now, what what made her decide she wanted to watch this game and not like the game last week? Uh, because I told her she was gonna. <laughs> oh, okay. I said you're going to watch the game on the Sunday, right? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. 
There you go. And, and, and what uh, are we going to say? No? I mean, she's going to feed not. us. Why not? And Kathy's food is <laughs> stupendous as it's been all year long. So I know I'm already looking forward to that. Exactly. Uh, again, uh, don't want. I just want to remind you, you can, of course, follow us on social media by searching Time Out for Sports Talk on Facebook and on Twitter. Our handle, again, at TOSTBMC. You can get links to the latest TOST podcast as soon as they're available. This one's going to get uploaded uh, very quickly within, within moments of... Uh, of uh, this us finishing up here. Just also want to remind you, of course, our next live timeout for Sports Talk television show will be on Wednesday, January 31st at 8 o'clock. And at this point, uh, well, of course, it's our annual anniversary and Super Bowl preview show, the 25th edition of, of previewing Super Bowls. And uh, when the pa- Pats make it to Minneapolis, I even, I even amended my script here. Thank you. <laughs> when the Pats make it to Minneapolis, we'll be on for a full 90 minutes that night because that's been our tradition uh, the previous eight times. With uh, our good friend Dave Monahan? I believe it will be Mr. Monahan returning again. And that's a good sign because when we had him in studio last year for the Super Bowl preview show, they won the game after so it, it's all lining up right i mean you the know the stars are aligned <laughs> the moon is shining the stars are aligned and the patriots are about to win another super bowl well there you go so uh, it should be uh, should be fun looking forward to uh, to sunday uh, for sure so uh until next time and again hope you'll join us on january 31st for that live tv show with a lot of surprises in store for that one until next time, for Howie McClellan, this is Todd Bloniars. I want to thank you for checking out the TOST Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. Good night.